Hey, um, we're on the block with a very special guest today. Hi. <laughs> we have Alyssa. Special guest star, Alyssa Mar. Hi, I'm me, Doug, the boy who lives with her. <laughs> and I'm Karen all by myself. <laughs> oh, oh, you're with family tonight. Oh, so sad. Um, so we had started um, before we before we pressed the record but- button. Alyssa and I already started bitching about this episode. It was great. <laughs> so. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much set the baseline for how uh, this pod's going to go. As promised last week, this is probably going to be a jumbo sized one because we are talking finally about the last episode in season four, episode thirty three, Dead Sisters Walking. Like, this is me throwing confetti. Woohoo! We are finally done with season motherfucking four. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. I... Longest season yeah. ever wrapped up with the longest fucking episode ever. Yeah, like, Doug and I were, like, thinking back about all the storylines in that season, and I was like, was that this season? Because he was like, what was your favorite one from this season? I was like, really? That was this season? Like, it... You yeah. say that all the time, right? Karen, I'll be like, I do. remember when blah, blah, blah. And you're like, wait, that was still this season? I that, do. I idea. can't even. Like, it just feels like there were like 20,000 bad seasons just wrapped up in this one. Well, most Netflix shows don't even have, their whole series doesn't even span 39 episodes or yeah, whatever. It's true now. 34, whatever this is. So. 33? Whatever um, it is. I don't know, because there are a couple two-hour things. It's a little, little Let's say 33, but whatever, you know. So I had this sort of bigger question, Doug, which you can probably answer. And I swear to God, (laughs) you can, like, you can smack me the next time you see me because I have a feeling that I ask this every time we get to the season (laughs) finale. Did they split these up over two weeks or two, or did they air this in one fell swoop? One fell swoop. It was a two-hour block for that night. And um, Alyssa, didn't you ask me the same thing? Yeah, I did. So those are the tip. Those are um, they aired as a two-hour block. It was a you know a ratings stunt, but also for syndication they were split. Yeah, I was gonna. Now, did they run the did they run the first hour and then rerun the credits and do the second hour, or did they do it like we saw it? Like we saw it. Okay, just, with, like, just with commercial breaks, but yeah, because there was this sort of like midway 45 once we're 45 minutes in sort of cliffy you know what i mean and so mm-hmm. i felt and i was kind yeah. of wondering yeah. and, if you were, and if you were to have watched it like when e started rerunning it then when we get to that cliffy yeah that would have been and the credits appear and that's it for that day's rerun and then tune in tomorrow for the second part of the re, of the rerun of the finale now that's do you think that and do do you think they did that thinking about syndication, or do you think yeah. it was just okay? So this was this was all planned for any show. Yeah, for any show, it would have been like that. Got it. Got it. Okay, that was my big burning question. You know, and I'm sure nine hundred two and zero, among other shows, did that too. Yeah, I guess I don't really remember shows having these two hour blocks for their finales. And not only that, but Melrose would do those big ones like two or three times a season, um, like November sweeps, Feb sweeps, and then the May sweeps finale. And would they preempt, like, because they were, would this because Fox aired the news at 10 o'clock at night, and so this aired at 9, so would it bump the news no. to 11? You know, actually, it aired at 8. 
So I I can't oh, remember yeah. what was airing afterward at this time. It, like it could have been New York Undercover, though I think that was another. I don't know what it was. Later on, it would have been Ally McBeal. But what happened was it would have been 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. was the Melrose app. And then the news would follow. And whatever had been on in the 9 p.m. slot would probably have aired its finale the week before or might air the week after. Got it. Okay. And same for 90210. Like, like 90210 would have been Wednesday from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. And Party of Five would have been the 9 p.m. slot. And that would have probably just aired its finale the week prior. Got it. Fascinating. So, yeah, a little study in TV history that no one needed. <laughs> but somehow it's still... And by the time we get to the end of season five, I'm going to ask the same damn question because <laughs> I will forget everything that you told me because I will be an older lady than I am right now. Well, yeah, we will... We, so many weeks will have gone between then and now that I won't remember either. Okay, but I will say this um, about the episode. Even though, like the season before, it was a slog, um, I felt like the last 20 or so minutes, it sort of found its legs. And I was like, and I, I have to say, it left me hopeful for season five. Well, because it, it, it started introducing new ideas, new plot lines. With the the Peter Burns stuff and Matt taking pills and yeah. <laughs> which is my favorite part of the of the episode and um what um, and the sitting the sitting Jane stuff yeah but I yeah, I, I feel like oh. we I feel like this season wasn't a, at a loss for new storylines though it was just really bad storylines right they <laughs> like, were bad but the way most of the 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 season's final storylines sort of I'll say came to a head but they none of them did so in I think a satisfying way I'm imagining we'll agree with that but I think Alyssa's point is yeah as they were coming to a head and wrapping themselves up the the cliffies were the things that were being introduced to tip off season five and those were the things that came up in the last segment like she was saying and I think those are the ones that maybe offer a bit more hope for the new right. season to you yeah. And then just want to also throw in there, there was a wedding. Was this played up? I wasn't expecting a wedding. Um, uh, no, I mean, I think that was the, supposed to be the surprise for everyone watching. Gotcha. So there was a wedding, there was a death, oh. there, it just packed everything in. And it did. And, you know, we'll walk through step by step. I promise viewers, listeners, we will. But, um, but it was like, even the things that should be the big payoffs, happened with a lot of anti-climax except for mm. I, i'm gonna say and maybe you can guess as as it as we describe through the episode there's one particular moment and one line that i love <laughs> and there's one storyline um that kind of come comes to a close for the season that i'm a big fan of so i'll let you know what those are when we catch them unless you guess them first but okay. but otherwise i'm like okay and what i'll say before we dive in unlike i think all three of the previous season finales the episode builds like it drives to getting all of our cast members together whereas in this case 
every single thread just moves in its own direction. It's not about getting any character, uh, like all of them on the canvas together. It's just like seeing their sort of storylines through in silos. And I think that is ultimately my biggest problem with, with the shift in the series by the end of season four. Well, that's what I was saying where it feels, it felt like almost like a Melrose Place movie. Mm. Um, the storyline sort of felt contain, self-contained and mo- resolved itself and there was new things. Um, so it did, it felt like I was watching like if they made a television movie Remember when they used to make those Saved by the Bell movies, like when they went to Hawaii and when they went to Vegas? Like, that's what this felt like. It didn't feel like a new episode. It felt like this self-contained thing with the Melrose Place characters. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, could to- I can totally see that. Um, I'm curious. So are you saying then that the self-containment sort of continues on through the rest of the the, the seasons? Um, no, no, I don't, I don't necessarily remember that, but I'm trying to think, because I think the show is different season by season for what's to come, but I think they are a bit more intertwined starting again in season five. They certainly are closer to that by the finale. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So should we, should we dive into this bitch? Yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. Okay. So when we, uh, when we, we, the cold open, we're at the, uh, we're at the mental hospital, right? Where, um, Willow Bridge. Willow Bridge. Um, and Kimberly is about to, oh my God, I feel like this happened last episode. She's about to lobotomize, uh, uh, Peter. Peter. I, I felt like she already did that. <laughs> I know. I when we came back, I was like, "What? Oh, I forgot we were totally at this part." Because <laughs> I felt the same way. <laughs> now that now that I'm looking back, I'm like, "Oh my God, was that this episode too? I thought that was last episode." <laughs> but Amanda and Michael thwart it um, because they've come to rescue Peter, and they have sort of made their way in and created a ruckus, and now Kimberly must leave the operating room and go deal with them <laughs> operating room yes <laughs> yeah um we don't even see amanda and michael getting caught right all we see is the other guy who comes in interrupting kimberly as she's about to lobotomize peter to say there's these, these intruders have busted into the institute right yeah basically it's like they yeah. say they're your friends <laughs> right so then <laughs> like she talks to them and she like leads them on a mini tour and she's like here i want you to see exactly where peter is my dearies um and it's like oh is she about to lead them into a cell and lock them in there and that's what she's trying to do that's indeed what she's trying to do but michael is a stronger and b still in the doorway uh and he's able to, (laughs) to to block the door so he and amanda run out and are kind of on the lam within willow bridge while kimberly six everyone like orderly-wise, security, whoever they are, uh, to find them. And at this point, I mean, I'm sure I had asked this in my head before, but I'm like, why doesn't anyone doubt her yet? What makes this seem safe and sanitary? Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. Well, I think, and I don't know if you guys talked about this, but I think the real question is, like, 
how did she just come into this questionable mental hospital and take over dressed like Betsy? Or no, is it Betsy? Is this is this yeah, the yeah, one? She's Betsy. She's, she's in Betsy. full Betsy mode, yeah. What's the what's the bad one's name? Rita, but we've lost Rita. Rita, Rita disappeared. Like she comes in in her, you know, Susie Homemaker get up. Just out of nowhere. I think, Doug, you said, like, wouldn't she just call every hospital yeah. looking to see if there was a doctor on vacation that week? Like, <laughs> I don't understand. And, like, I know the show is campy and, and it's not supposed to be taken so seriously, but this is, like, one of those storylines that, and I'm sure you guys touched upon this last week, that it feels so out of place. It feels beyond campy. It feels B-list horror movie yep. it just doesn't like I can buy like Jane being getting a stroke having a stroke and being paralyzed <laughs> and suddenly walking again like I can buy that you know I can buy like you know the way Alicia Barnett died and, and Bobby Parisi being thrown I can buy all those storylines but this is like beyond dumb this feels yeah. like one of those episodes that they just should have aired at Halloween, you know, and right. just yeah. like right. really like gone all out as like the Halloween episode and left it at that because where where it's living right now, it just doesn't it doesn't you're right it doesn't make any sense. Right, and it and like and not even in an amusing way. It's just gone too right. far. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got these like sort of thuggish orderlies that are like <laughs> chasing, you know, chasing Michael and and Amanda all through that. And Michael and Amanda are hiding in the heating ducts, of course. you know, and talking really loudly while they're hiding. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, and it's just like this weird, like hot. It's like, very this stuff is very uh, like daytime. soap. yeah, I feel I, like. Yeah. I do like Michael and Amanda together, though. Yeah, oh, we yeah. talked about yeah. that a little bit, too, that, like, you know, their whole, like, Nancy Drew Hardy Boy thing is a lot of fun, and it's also nice that they're involved and it's not leading up to, like, now they have to have an affair. I just wish they used more of them together. Yeah, because, like, we, Doug and I have talked about this, like, Tal Calabro's probably the best actor on the show, or he's the one that handles the material the best. And I think uh, Heather Lockler just plays off of him pretty well. I think yeah. so, too. I think he's raised her game in every scene they've yeah. ever had. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a great chemistry there between them yeah. um, that, that just works really, really well in, like, this sort of, like, not sexual but just, like, hijinks way. Totally. And I do love that there's this sort of relaxed, uh, you know, there, there is no sexual tension there, which is really friggin' nice because they can just sort of, like, be allies or enemies depending on, whenever you know, depending so on, the, on whatever the situation yeah. is. Yeah. So, yeah, there they are practically shouting in the heating duct and of course Amanda <laughs> almost gives up the ghost when she sees a rat but they're able to hide um, and it's like the air duct itself is huge it's like when Bruce Willis is in Die Hard hiding from everyone um, and so the next thing they do is masquerading as inmates themselves I don't know where they got their extra frocks from um, um, and of course they try and they find Peter and try and just wheel him out um, okay. that didn't work very well 
good luck there. Of course, Nurse Benson sees them, and and Kimber Kim Betsy, I guess is what I should call her. Sees um, she catches them. Uh, Betsy, yeah, um, and Betsy locks locks them, uh, the three of them in a boiler room, as you do. I mean, it's like, and now they're all following her, the orderlies or whatever. She has minions all of a sudden at Willow Bridge. It's amazing. She's like a Batman villain. Betsy, that's, yeah, that's yeah. what I don't understand. That like all of a sudden she walks in like she literally like she owns the place. And there was never anyone to say, like, who are you? What right do you have to even practice medicine after blowing up an apartment complex? <laughs> like, there's never, there's no one ever questions her. Well, the orderlies question her for, like, a hot minute. And then she's, like, and then she, and then she just kind of talks her way out of it. Well, she, yeah, she says something like, Arizona called me and said that <laughs> Amanda and Michael are on the loose and I'm to lobotomize them too. They're dangerous. Go get them. Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's a bit more interesting is like some of the brief infighting going on in the boiler room between like Michael and Peter and stuff like that. But it doesn't really last too long. Yeah. Even then it was sort of like, I, w- I was so like, can we get out of the boiler room already? This is really, really, yeah. really boring. And luckily, luckily Peter's but, meds wore off pretty fast. Yeah, there's a lot of luck going on. Yeah. <laughs> Tons of it. Um, and that's when, what's her name? Nurse Benson comes back in and, and listens to them when they reason with her, right? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah. I think of course, so. then again, Betsy comes in. And, and they do the big escape. Yeah, there's, there's a tussle. Right. Um, Michael tries <laughs> to get to Kimberly, um, and he keeps saying, like, Kimberly, it's me. I love you. Um, and like, finally, Kimberly pushes Betsy aside and reemerges. And just when you think, oh, okay, all is good, that's when the main orderly becomes the new enemy. Um, and so Nurse Benson helps Peter and Amanda escape. She gives them a key, and they open the door and run out. And they're like, what about Michael? And Peter's like, yeah, screw Michael and Kimberly. And I know. Michael, they were kind of like, they were like, what about Michael? Who cares? Go. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Michael's getting, like, the ass pounded out of him by the orderly. Actually, that sounded wrong. He's getting beat up. <laughs> um, and um, to help him... Kim, they're like on a landing in, uh, on the higher part of the boiler room and Kimberly turns the steam on um, to try and like subdue the orderly that's beating Michael up uh, and then steam in his eyes the orderly falls and drags Kimberly down with him and they both plummet while Michael is able to recover and, and look down um, and that's technically where the break in the episode would have been that's where part one would have ended rerun-wise. Right. So that's our cliffhanger, if you will. Um, all of that with Peter on the lamb and at Willowbridge, that's basically the big climax. And then the next hour is um, what happened after. So this is the most interesting part, I thought, of this whole storyline. We're back at Wilshire Memorial, where Kimberly is in critical condition but Willowbridge is, like, right by Sacramento, right? Yeah. So <laughs> they took, like, a six-hour 
ambulance ride down to LA <laughs> for this emergency surgery that she needs. I think that they did say that they choppered her in. Yeah. Did they? They did. They did. But, um, but yes, there would be a hospital closer. Uh, yeah, it's not like Sacramento is like a podunk town. No, they would definitely have their own hospital and, and medical staff and, you know, teaching hospital and everything. Um, but I guess it's there in the hospital that we learned that the orderly broke Kimberly's fall, which I guess means he's dead. I don't even think he had a name. Um, and Michael's like, thank God for that orderly. You broke the fall. And it's like, it wasn't a mattress. It was a person. <laughs> <laughs> so meanwhile, where is Peter? He's hiding in Matt's apartment. I don't know if Amanda called Matt or just has the key as the landlord and just told Peter to go in and hide and wear some of Matt's boring sweats. But that that's was, what we That was the best part was Peter dressing up in Matt's clothes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that part is great. Um, so he's just, like, supposed to hang out there while they wait for Kimberly to deliver his alibi. Um, and, and he's like, no, I'm going to stay. And she's like, I really think you should run away to Mexico. Um, and he's like, no, I'm going to stay and wait for Kimberly. And she's like, you're stupid, but I love you. They both basically pledge their, their love to each other again. Um, which is one of the things that I'm like, this whole story doesn't matter because weeks ago, Amanda has already pledged her love to Peter. So if this isn't like the adventure we need to get through for them to realize they still love each other, they love each other again. We kind of already had that. It's a lot of havoc for no real reason other than to, you know, fill up the episodes. That's how I feel. Um, and then Kimberly does wake up in the hospital uh, and Peter shows up in his mat disguise, which basically mm -hmm. like a jacket, sweatshirt and a baseball cap. Um, and he's like trying to jog her memory. And all this time, I thought it too when they were at Willowbridge. I'm thinking it when I'm watching this scene. I'm like, where are the cops this whole time? How come they haven't? Yeah. Um, but there they are, because that nurse that, that I think is now going to be a regular turns him in. She goes, sorry, doctor, but you are wanted for murder. <laughs> well, that's what I kept asking you. I was like, I don't understand. Isn't he still wanted? Aren't the cops still looking for him? Like, I know, like, there are times, like, they put you in a mental hospital sometimes in lieu of being in police custody, but this is not one of those cases. Right, like, he had two different threats happening, and one was Betzerly, and one was the fact that he was still wanted by the cops for Bobby's murder. Thing, I don't know why the cops, like, never went to look for him. Probably because anyway. what a pain in the ass it is to get to Sacramento. <laughs> like Jim's taking the chopper. Yeah. They didn't, you know, all you have to do is fall off a landing on top of an orderly. So Peter's in jail now, again, um, and Amanda visits him, and he says, uh, now he's singing a slightly different tune. He's saying, don't get involved. Um, this is now too messy. It's too complicated. He doesn't want her to have to suffer from his bad circumstances. Yeah, there, there was at this point now too much push and pull going on between the two of them. Right. Um, and part of it, I think, is just because we needed to have too many scenes with him. Like, I think if this episode was one hour instead of two, 
a lot of the stories that aren't great to begin with would have felt a little bit better because they would have been less redundant. Right. Because we have, we have this a couple times now, this, no, you shouldn't, but I want to, and I love you, I know, but still sort of thing. And similarly, um, we had we had something going on like that with Michael and Kimberly, where, you know, yeah. Kimberly is just kind of laying in the bed half dead and Michael keeps going, I love you, I love you, I love right. you. Yeah, we do. You know, so so between these two, you know, sort of second half here, uh, you know, second act or whatever, I, I just felt like, oh, my God, get on with it. Yeah, no, and again, this is them, instead of when it should be ramping up the most and, like, you know, trying to get to the finish line, everything just sort of starts dissolving a little bit story-wise. Um, and that's Amanda leaves the police station, sees that cop again, um, and he's like, you're going to have to testify before a grand jury. And she's like, no, I won't. And he says, yes, you have to, unless you're his wife or his lawyer. Well, she's not a lawyer. So now she has something to think about. Um, and she goes back. Well, I guess we have. I guess we have one scene of Kimberly in the hospital with Michael where he just says, I love you. And she says, oh, I caused so much pain to so many people. And then we're back to Amanda visiting Peter again um, in the prison. Uh, and this is post arraignment. Um, and and. Um, I guess Amanda has told Peter about, look, Kimberly's in surgery for internal bleeding now. And again, Peter's like, you shouldn't marry me. Um, and then the next scene is when one of the, the officers in the police station um, t takes Peter out of his cell because they said someone is here to see you. They take him into a room with Amanda and a lawyer and like, some ordained official, right? A, a JP, yeah, Justice of Peace. Yeah. And, like, Amanda basically, like, forces him to marry her. Yeah. Again, he's like, no, you shouldn't. And she and she says, no, we're going to do this, Peter. I'm going to marry you. So, okay, this is the wedding that you were referring to. And this is yes. our leading lady getting married. And it should be either a bigger deal or a bigger surprise. But... Because now we've had at least two scenes telegraphing this is what Amanda's going to do, it it just seems anticlimactic. That's how I felt. It was totally anticlimactic. It was yeah. so stupid. I mean, now we've essentially shoved Peter up as our, our male lead. So we have our two leads getting married. He's in jail for a crime he did not commit. Um, and, like, so these are the circumstances of Okay. Um, I'm I'm not thrilled by it. I'm not concerned for him. I'm not concerned for them. So, yeah. Uh, Alyssa, okay. do you feel any different? No. Uh, no. Um, mostly because I don't like Peter. <laughs> yeah. Just, I like, really, I feel like his storyline should just drag on, although I did love that episode where Bobby dies like that was ridiculous but I just so I never feel anything other than just irritation when I see Peter and I'm sure he'll be fine in the end and I'm sure they'll get divorced like <laughs> I have you know like I don't feel anything for this other than just get on with it imagine though for a minute if they had gone to Las Vegas if they had gone to Mexico like could you imagine how fun that would be 
and stay there? Well, no, I mean, as part of like the, as part of the episode, instead of all this going to jail, I love you, I love you, I love you. What if they just went to Mexico on the lamb and they had one of those episodes where like Melrose Place goes to Mexico and like, and they're like, you know, trying on sombreros and drinking pina coladas and enjoying, you know, and sort of becoming one with the locals and they, yeah. and then they come back when Kimberly wakes up. Yeah, in fact, that, not to distract too much from finishing up the storyline, but that makes me think, has Amanda ever had much time on this series where she's just enjoying her life? No. Like, like she's either being annoyed by the cast members in the building or dealing with a problem at work or dealing with a bad relationship. But, like, she's had some romantic moments, but she's never had an episode where she's just, like, living a fun life, right? Nope. No. And she has a fun car. She does have a fun car. And she has fun sheets. She has very fun sheets. She has a fun yeah. wardrobe. She does. Does she? <laughs> <laughs> For the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the 90s. So, I mean, I don't know. I just kind of felt like, oh, wow, imagine if they did go to Mexico. And then it could be like, the, you know, they're they're hiding out. They're, you know, the, the road trip. The, like, it just could have been so much. Like, didn't they show Brenda and um, during uh, for Beverly Hills 90210 when Brenda and Dylan went to went surfing in Mexico? To, didn't they show I, the isn't trip? A, isn't, yeah, I think so. I think that show is at a very different sort of level, though, than. Then, like, that was sort of, like, you could do that because it was about, like, fun teen hijinks and it wasn't quite a soap. Yeah, this is, like, all about moving storyline around, I feel like. Yeah, but this was also, this could have been fun adult hijinks of, you know, being on the lam. I don't know. I just felt like the dynamic would have been so much more interesting if they had actually sent them to Mexico. And then they could have gotten married in Mexico. And that might have been really romantic. Yeah, they definitely could have done any of that. It would have been the wedding that Amanda deserves. Yeah, that's for sure. And the viewers that, deserve too. Because if there's one thing, when you're going to have a season finale wedding with the grand dam of the of the of this of the show, like you make it a thing. You don't have it like this little like you know jailhouse wedding. Like it needs to be a thing. This wasn't a thing. Yeah. Well, are they really? Well, you don't have to spoil it for us, but are they really married? Like, are we going to have, is there going to be some loophole or are they, well, um, I guess you get that. Oh, I think there might like, be a loophole. He's not, right? he's not really Peter Burns and they show right. Peter okay, and another so, guy. Yeah. Just to, so just to wrap this thread up, um, they get married in the jail and then Amanda's home alone again, cause she can't enjoy her life. And the cop knocks on her door and she kind of gloats in her Amanda way, she's like, well, now I don't have to testify because I'm married. And he goes, uh, well, that's what I want to talk to you about. Your husband's name isn't Peter Burns. This man is Peter Burns, and it's some old guy we've never seen. So more secrets, it looks like, from Amanda's now husband. That's yeah, our clip. Going back to, like, has Amanda ever enjoyed her life? Has she ever been friends with anyone on the show? Not, like... Jake, you know, like, she slept with Jake, and she dated Jake and Billy. Is she, do we ever see her, like, hanging out with Joe or Jane or Alice? She doesn't have friends, right? No, 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 she doesn't. They will try and work a friend in for her in the final season, but 
not for very long. And that's one reason why when there are moments when she and Allison are actually getting along and feel like they're at the same level, I always liked it. Um, but otherwise, no, because Amanda came in and she was always like more successful, more mature, more impatient than all the other idiots on the show. So, no, they were never at the same level. They could never really be seen as friends, I don't think. That's actually right. super interesting because Hollywood um, has like 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 a like a like a thing about that. Like when I was when one when my vampire book was we were trying to get it optioned and they were doing treatments and one of the things that they were doing with it is they were because I had this female main character and she didn't have a well she had a female best friend but that wasn't in she, this best friend wasn't in the first book. And so they needed to create that for the pitch because I like I was basically told like women don't like other women that don't have female friends in in, in like focus yeah. groups I guess like it's a Hollywood right. focus group thing and yeah. so if you're gonna have like you need to have if you're gonna have like the female lead needs to have a female buddy yeah you know Amanda Woodward is exactly what Bridget Jones was you know she was always trying to be a cold unattainable ice queen and that's essentially what Amanda is like she doesn't have a friend for and for that reason because if you don't then that's what it looks like you get like the cold ice queen right right she's also at a level of authority like she's their landlord and she's their boss and you know so she's they do portray her as this at a higher level than the the rest of them. Even when she was living with Sydney, she was such a bitch to Sydney. Yeah. It's true. So I so, guess that's yeah. really it for for the Amanda Peter story for the season, right? Yes. Yes. So um and the only other he he's not who he seems, um and we will find out what more there is there. Um and I don't want to spoil anything that is to come about that next season. I don't, okay. I'm pretty sure I don't remember all of it, but the most of what I do remember is, um, well, uh, you know, but find out as we watch along. So do we finish up with Michael and Kimberly? Because there is a plot twist. Uh, yeah, we, we see them once more in the hospital. Um, Kimberly has come through her spleen surgery. And, and, and Michael says, you're going to be okay. And then she dies. <laughs> and then she flatlines. So maybe Michael isn't a great doctor after all. Yeah, no, you got to question that. Yeah, so Michael's like, you came through with flying colors. You're going to be great. And then she's like, great. And then she passes out and flatlines. <laughs> and Michael yells code blue or whatever he yells. And he wants the paddles. Yeah. <laughs> and so we don't we don't know for sure if she's dead. But, um, but it's not looking good for Kimberly. No. So yeah, get get concerned. Get get worried. Get worried. Yeah. Um, where do we go next? Um, I say we talk about Billy, Jake, Allison, Allison and Billy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I want. I'll say right now. I want us to save Jane and Sydney for the very end. So I let's do, do Jake. Let's do Jake, uh, Billy, Allison. I guess that's really it. 
this was another storyline where I just wanted to like reach through my TV and throttle everybody because it's like it just sort of like keeps coming out of nowhere like all of a sudden Allison's interest in Jake that's more than friends and then Jake is totally not interested in her until he until you know until he is interested in her like it just it just doesn't ring I mean you know ring true is like a weird thing to say with this with this episode but there is no evolution there there is absolutely no finesse with that relationship or growing no 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 you know, and once again, it's just like this vehicle to get her away from Billy. Yeah, and also, yeah, I mean, go ahead. I was gonna say it's a vehicle just to give Billy something to do. But it, not by too pursuing much, which is Allison, what I do appreciate. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like Allison has no agency in this storyline. That Jake That's and Billy it. are just like Billy's. Like, well, I like her, and Jake's like, well, I like her. So I can't have her because you like her. And, you know, they're just deciding what Allison is going to do and who she's going to be with behind Allison's back. And then they're going to treat Allison like crap. Like both of them, yeah. Yeah. And, And what happened now, this was the other thing that I kind of didn't get. So Billy was supposed to be... Like un like like snapped out of his like Brooke haze right where he was trying to be like Brooke and now all mm-hmm. of a sudden he's back to like regular old Billy, um, but he's not like he's still a dick. Yeah, he's still now he's not like possessed by Brooke asshole. He's just entitled Billy asshole, but he's not rehabilitated. Like not by a long shot because like when yeah. we saw. Like, the date that he tried to take Allison on that he blew, like, he, you know, he got drunk and he took her to, like, this industry place and, you know, it was kind of like, I think he even said something to Jake about, oh, I took her someplace where everybody knew who I was, you know, and it was kind of like, oh, shut up, Billy. Yeah. Just sit down. You know, and so so there's there's that sort of element of him, like, constantly trying to sort of, he's always saying, I'm back to the old me, but then he's really, like, a dick like he's still he's still this like he's bro still, he's, he's still, still a total dick. bro yeah now i mean one reason for that is we have to continue to make him look bad so that jake can look more appealing but yes the idea that allison has now fallen for jake and he has somehow also developed feelings for allison i love it but none of it feels organic in the slightest but right. i applaud i applaud this reshuffling of the deck I just feel like the entire thing has has happened both too slowly and too quickly. Um, but but it's basically like there's a bunch of like stop and start scenes. Allison asks Jake to a movie and he says, let's keep socializing to a minimum. He doesn't want to be there to be a complication. He complains about being Mr. Nice Guy after another like encounter with Jane has pushed him away. Um, you know, so then Billy asks her out on this another fancy date. Um, and Allison and Jake have like a little fight again at the bar. Um, so as a mea culpa, Jake returns to Allison's apartment to hand her her check while she's getting ready for her date with Billy. And as luck would have it, she's having trouble zipping up her dress. So she asks Jake to zip the dress for her. And I think this is Allison in like, 
blind calculating Allison games playing mode. Um, but she says like to Jake, you feel it, don't you? There's something there. They kiss. Looks like they are now going to be a couple while Billy is stood up having rented out like the entire restaurant with a, a violinist and everything by mm-hmm. his side. Champagne the word. Champagne the word. And she's an she's a recovering alcoholic and he's like drinking like a fish. He's here yeah. he sounds drunk. You know, and that, and that I mean this nothing to do with it other than it's Andrew Shu. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. And I was like, yeah, go be with Jake Allison, because this boy's a tool. Yeah. I mean, bottom line is, yeah, go be with Jake Allison. And I'm gonna <laughs> love this relationship, which I think takes on some actual real world qualities in season five but like the they actually behave like adults in this relationship like they behave like 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 normal people yeah and there's also like a, a tinge of like bitterness like they both they both bring the real world baggage that their characters have had to that relationship but in a way that i found very identifiable still within the world of soap opera stories Awesome. Well, that I'm looking forward to. Um, yeah, I really like that. But yeah, there's just no, there's no subtlety here. I will say, though, I do think there's chemistry between Grand Show and Courtney Thornsmith. Crickets. Yeah, I don't, I don't I, I'm trying to think because I wrote in my notes, and honestly, I just don't feel like looking at them right now, um, that I was about one of the couples and was like, yeah, but I just don't feel the chemistry between them. And I think it might've been them. Well, you might see it next year when there's actual material for them. It just feels so forced. It feels like we have, like you said, reshuffling the decks. Like, you know, we've tried Jake and Amanda. We've tried Jake and Joe. We've tried yeah. Jake and James. So like we haven't tried Jake with Allison yet. And then we don't have anything for Billy to do. And I found him so unpleasant with all of the post Brook stuff and the Julie Newmar stuff. Like <laughs> that, that storyline petered out in the worst possible way. Like once Allison quit D and D, we never went back to D and D. Right? Like we had. No. Am I right? Yeah, we, had, we never really did. Because yeah. yeah, uh, Amanda's been busy looking for Peter. Yeah, but that was like such a big part of the D&D was like such a yeah. big part of season four and the last five episodes or so it was like well shit, Allison doesn't work there anymore so we are not going to show it anymore and all of a sudden we're just going to re- tell you that Billy is rehabilitated and not show him being yeah. better-ish so I sort of just like the storyline just because it feels like we have nothing more for these characters to do. Meanwhile, it's like assistant of James who Jake sleeps with that we never see again after that one episode. Jake just goes away from Jane and that never really gets resolved. Yeah, there's a lot of of up and down with the Jane pushing Jake away stuff that ultimately doesn't work. No, it doesn't get resolved. So it's like, well, what else can we do with these guys for the last three episodes? We'll just put them in some terrible love triangle. Yeah, because it was like, you know, every time you see Jake and Jane together, Jane's going, leave me alone, Jake. Leave me alone, Jake. Leave me alone, Jake. You know, and it just kind of, so they never even had that sort of 
moment to like just let it end you know it just kind of it just kind of fizzled that's yeah that's exactly what happened which, which is weird like why would this fizzle because you know his girlfriend got raped right that's not something that fizzles right no now on paper if you had like a real writer working on this story the idea of Jane is pushing everyone away and she pushes her best friend away and she pushes her boyfriend away and in working together to try and help Jane, they somehow like start leaning on each other on paper. There is a way to do that. Right. There is a way. It didn't happen. It didn't happen here. No, no, not even a little bit. Yeah. I don't feel like Jake and Allison, like, like you said, if they were working together or just even just them working at shooters and like, feeling an attraction because I don't remember a lot of Allison and Jake interaction before this. No, they were really always in different storylines. Yeah. But, but Alyssa, this is before you started watching with me. Um, Season one, right? Very beginning of the motorcycle ride, right? Yeah. There's like the third episode of the show. um, Amanda and Jake have uh, like a will they or won't they thing back when it was a totally different series um, where they found unexpected common ground. Um, but yeah, in the intervening three and a half years, really nothing. Maybe some, like the closest was when Jake and Jane were doubling with Billy and Allison the night Brooke died. That's like it. Yeah. Yeah, they never, well, inter- they never interacted. And now it's like, well, yeah. he's been with everyone else, so time to be with Allison. Yeah. <laughs> Because there's nobody else to put him with. (laughs) I was working, um, so the season five that we're going to start recapping aired during my senior year of high school. And at the job I had then, one of the women I worked with, she was older. She was a teacher. I was working at my uh, Hebrew school. Um, And she hadn't seen the show. And I don't know if I told her to watch it or that I was, like, watching it or something. Um, But... She hadn't seen it since the beginning, and she came back and watched one episode and had two things to say, and she's like, oh, so Allison's a blonde now, and Jake has been with every single woman in that building, and I was like, oh, yeah, and yes. (laughs) (laughs) Those were her takeaways, and that's true. He hasn't been with Kimberly yet, so has he? No. Has he? No, Kimberly has, Kimberly's been a a one-man woman. Uh, I mean, she's, like, had the infatuation with Peter, but otherwise... Peter. Oh, and right. And the pool guy. And the pool guy, yeah. Yep, Which, yep. don't forget, was also this season. What about Vic from... Uh, oh, yeah, well... You know. <laughs> she, didn't have, she didn't have sex with him, did... Oh, yeah, she did, and then he banged okay. and gagged her, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that, anyway, in a nutshell, that's Jake and Allison and Billy. Yes. So, uh, so I guess Joe and Matt and Doctor Feelgood. Oh, yeah. Doctor Feelgood is that what you just called him? Yeah, he, that's, that's yeah, he's Doctor Feelgood to me. <laughs> I can never remember his goddamn Dominic name. Dominic O'Malley. They repeat his name like five hundred times. I Dr. know, and I still can't remember Dr. it. This is my favorite storyline of the episode because it's absolutely ridiculous. Why do all of Matt's storylines feel like after-school specials? <laughs> <laughs> right? They're always because like... He's the, I mean, he's like the token gay character, right? So he's yeah. got to have all the angst. 
Like, you know right. how there's... Be like, all the suffering. There's, like, I'm Karen, I'm sure you've heard this, but, like, there's this, like, trend that people pick up on that, like, the lesbian character in all these things always dies or has, like, <laughs> the terrible... Right? Like, kill all your lesbians. It's, like, always around Twitter. I'm, like, the worst possible stuff happens to Matt. Like, the rest of <laughs> have some bad things, but, like, his stuff seems to be the only stuff that sticks. Like, like Amanda has cancer, but then she's totally healed and fine the next episode. Like, Allison goes blind, and she's totally fine, and, and Jane is paralyzed and then totally fine. But, like, Matt's stuff he seems to really, like, stick with him, right? Like, yeah, like, his dad dies, then <laughs> his dad is still dead. Yeah. Right, like, you know, his murder, remember when Alicia Barnett was like, or was it Alicia or Kimberly? Yeah. was like, yeah, Alan, he was, like, arrested for murder. The rest of the, everything would, anyone else that would just roll off of them, but, and, you know, now this malaria or hepatitis, or what did he have? Men- meningitis. 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 My God. <laughs> I know. It's like they're doing everything in their power to, like, kill uh, like kill Matt <laughs> off. But, like, he keeps coming back. It's true. They were like, well, that will be in jail for life for murder. Oh, no. Now victim he'll... of a hate crime. Oh, but he's not dead. You know, like, it's just, uh, yeah, there's, like, constant, like, beat down of poor Matt. <laughs> yeah. You're really right. They were like, but it's, you know, I'm sure you guys have talked about this and Doug and I have talked about it. It's just mishandling of a character and a gay character that it's like if you're going to have a character who's gay like don't just have him be com- have complete misery for five seasons. Yeah, all of his all of his storylines are, are suffering and even if say he is in a romantic pairing like it's only a setup for some new bad predicament to befall him. Right, but it's always befalls him because he's gay. Like, um, you know, he was gay, you know, he's gay and he won. I don't remember the character's name who killed his wife, but, like, look, he was in this relationship with this man who killed his wife and framed him. Or, like, look, he was well, with yeah. Alan and, you but know. But Alan couldn't, struggled with coming out of the closet, so that relationship had to end, yeah. Right, everything is like, well, you're gay and this is, you or have to have misery. Like, you talked about Amanda not having fun, or, like, how often did Matt have fun? What I thought was really kind of, like, when, what, like, stood out to me this episode, too, with Matt, along those lines, is, like, why is he even still, because, I mean, I know it's a joke, well, let's see, always say, Matt, move. But, like, why does he even live at Melrose Place? Because these people are his friends. Like, Rhonda was his only friend. Like, he and Rhonda were tight, and then she left. And so now they throw Joe into the mix. And I kept watching these scenes going as his bestie. Like, I kept watching these scenes going, when when were they friends? Like, I, like did they even know each other's name before this? I guess Michael was his friend. But I guess Michael was only his friend because they worked in the same hospital. But... I said the same thing about Billy and Jake. Like, we were supposed to believe that Billy and Jake were, like, best friends and Jake was going to be his um, best man. Best man, and, and they totally abandoned that. Now it's like, oh, yeah, Jake and Billy are best friends. Like, 
they play fast and loose with that. Like Allison and, J- and Jane were best friends, and then they stopped being best friends, and then they picked it up again. Um, so it's like Joe got it. Joe is his best friend because she had nothing else to do. Right, <laughs> and well, they needed they needed they needed a reason to introduce her to Doctor Feelgood, right? Right. Well, there are so many times where I'm like, well, like when Matt's dad dies, and nobody goes, no one else goes to the funeral. Right. Like, <laughs> like nobody else goes to see him in the hospital. Jake goes, but like nobody else goes to see him in the hospital. Meanwhile, they were all at the hospital when. What? More people from Melrose Place were at Haley's funeral than they were at Matt's dad's funeral. Yeah. Yeah. Like nobody went to see him, like in the hospital. So I don't know. Maybe Matt's just a guy who lives there. <laughs> Well, at any rate, um, so so Matt is still in the hospital at the beginning of this episode. But as you said, Alyssa, Jake and Joe are both visiting Matt, which is also weird because they haven't done anything together outside of, like, her being at Shooters since the beginning of the season. Um, but they're, like, it's cute. They're visiting Matt. And Matt says something about wanting to just be in class. So Jake is like, oh, he must be sick. <laughs> um, but Jake is really only there so Dr. O'Malley, feel good, can see Jake hug Joe and get jealous. Um, yes. And he is jealous because when it's sexy time, mm-hmm. uh, Joe's not into it. Um, and he's like, what's wrong? Is it that guy you hugged at the hospital? And she's like, Jake? No, you idiot. It's Matt, my good friend who might be dying. <laughs> and he's like, oh, and he like purrs a little bit and then they finally have sex. Yeah. Um, and then I think next time we see Matt, he's got a clean bill of health. Yeah, he's he's checking himself out of the hospital because he's got to study. Right. Um, and, and he's like talking to Joe about Dr. Feelgood like he's now her girlfriend. Like, he's on to them, and he's cheering around. Yeah. What Uh, I thought... No, 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 go ahead. No, I think... Then the next thing is, like... We're, like, hurling along again to, like, shoehorn as much O'Malley in here as we can, and that's when he has, um... Like, the Chinese food dinner with... With Joe. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but I think this is when I was, like... This is a couple with no chemistry. So I don't know which couple you wrote that about. It might have been Jake and Allison, but for me it was Joe and Dr. Feelgood. And okay. he proposes to her. That's because Daphne Zuniga is terrible. <laughs> like, she has no... She's terrible when she has to do, like, love scenes or relationshipy things. She was terrible opposite Patrick Muldoon, and she was... Well, he's terrible, but... I'm, I'm, I'm calling gets, in favor of her, not him there. She's like, she gets... And you know what? I take that back. It's not her. It's the, how they write Joe. They make her very pathetic when it comes to men. And, and Karen and I keep talking about this because that's the inverse of how she was introduced. She was tough. Yeah. She was independent. She was from New York. She was getting over a bad, abusive marriage. And it's just been like mistake after mistake. And when we get to the end of this thread, I have something else to say a bit about, um, like, the end, of, sort of, of Joe for the show. But, but yeah, that's basically, it. like, again, we're talking, like, no agency. 
she's always like just dropping everything for whatever man like happens to cross her path that we can see is bad news from a mile away. Yeah, and everybody is her like soulmate, love of her life. Like she has to completely change her life for him. But she's Awful. digging in here. She's digging in. She's not doing it yet. Right. I mean, she's, she, yeah, she's really trying to, like, take her time, even when he's pushing along. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, because he's going, I, I don't, he's going to go to Bosnia, I guess, to. But she doesn't know that yet. He proposes before he even tells her that. I thought he proposed after he told her he was going to Bosnia. I thought he proposed, and she says she won't marry him, and he's pissed. And then she comes by again, and he's, like, packing. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm moving with a team of doctors. We're going to go to Bosnia. And she's like, why were you so dishonest with me? You proposed, but you didn't even tell me you were about to leave the country and go to a war-torn country. And he's like, "Uh, yeah, but I love you. And that's when she says she loves him, I think. Okay, you're right. Yeah, I had that. I had that mixed up. I thought that he or he told her and then he was like, okay, and now let's get married. But no, I was wrong. He he. No, but that would have made more sense in a streamlined sort of way. But this is another one of those examples where it's like they're adding in extra scenes we don't need, and it kind of stymies the the momentum of the story. Right. Um. So so now we just kind of have this constant like, will she or won't she sort of struggle between the two of them and. They break up, they make up, they break up, they make up. You know, he he gets mad at her because she rejects him. Um, but, I mean, come on, Bosnia. That's, like, springing it on you. You know, that's... that's... I mean, like, is he going to deal with, like, child abuse therapy? Because yeah. isn't that his great area of expertise? Yeah. Like, I don't really... I don't really get it, but I get it. They have to do something to, to get Joe moving. Right. So... So basically he comes to her apartment and he's like, I don't want to leave like this. My flight leaves in a few hours. And I just wanted to say like, I love you or goodbye or whatever it was. And then she's like, we'll just stay until you have to go. And you know that they're hooking up. And, and so it just kind of, I guess could have been this sort of lovely goodbye for Joe, but then she has to go to the airport. Yeah. And this is the messiest scene of all messier than I even remembered it. Um, she then runs and, and because it's pre 9-11 is able to go all the way to the gate and again says, no, wait, don't go. I mean, she's pleading with him. And, and again, they're doing that, that trope that I only see on TV where, you know, the, the flight attendant at the gate is, is like, you have to get on the plane now. We're about to close the gate. You have to get on the plane now. We're about to close the gate. Sorry, I can't answer your question. Get on the plane. And so he's going from LA to New York to Bosnia. He asks, how long is the layover? And she's like, it's about two hours. And he's like, all right, Joe, I'm going to get on this plane. I'll wait for you in New York. Get on the next flight, and I'll meet you. I don't know what time this flight is. It's like midnight, and he's (laughs) just getting on the plane now. He's going to be smelling like sex because he's been with her for the last few hours and then headed straight to the airport. The whole thing sounds kind of disgusting. But we're left with Joe crying because she's going to miss him and wants to be with him. And that's that. Like, an easy way to have rewritten it and gotten to the same end would have been, at the last minute, Joe stunts him by having decided to move, made whatever plans she needs, and bought a ticket and ends up on the flight with him. And they can sail off into the sunset forever. Or it's already midnight, so into the pitch black, you know, forever. 
and we get and we get our if not happy ending at least some sort of actual closure for joe but here we go joe yet again the last time we see her crying over a man i think they did her dirty so does she so does she come back for season five or is she just going to disappear now without her man she's no we never see her again and i think there's a throwaway line that like Oh, Joe doesn't live here anymore, so her apartment is available. I think that's it. Oh, they did do her dirty. They did her so dirty. Yeah. They could have totally given her this happy ending. Right? I mean, it would. They knew they were writing her out. She must have clearly said, like, season four will be my last season, and they could have written any which way. Um, And instead, they do this really non-committal thing, which sucks because we've had a lot of characters die and we've had Rhonda and Sandy leave in the first season. But once Melrose became Melrose place, Daphne Zuniga is the first of the main players to go. And it really, that exit lands with a thud. And that's yeah. a mistake. It's yeah. also completely out of character, but she, but doesn't even, she gets no scenes with anybody. Like There's, not no even Jake. There's not a goodbye with Jake. There's not even like a moment that seems like a small moment to them, but because we know it will be their last scene together is a big moment for us as viewers who ship them. We don't get any of that. There's nothing with Matt. There's no goodbye with Allison. Like, there isn't, and I know this will sound crazy, but you know how several times between seasons two, three, and four, Joe has kind of played surrogate mother to Sid? It would have been nice to even have, like, a little beat there. We don't get any of that. It was just, we're, we're moving furniture around, and we're getting rid of Joe. This is how we're doing it. Yeah, we're just going to stick her outside and hope somebody comes by and picks her up. Yeah, so... With a sign that says free on it. Yeah, I mean... yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I watched the end, you know, her, the, her end, and I was going, wait, but I thought she wasn't coming back for season five. Like, just going... Right. You know, I guess she is. They're going to continue this a little bit into season five. No, they just like, they just like screwed her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's just done. And it's a shame. It's a waste. It is a waste. Um, it is a waste. So one, one thing I will say is that she does come back in that, that terrible reboot of Melrose that they did that like retconned a few things and was basically just terrible and canceled very quickly. Several of the Melrose people come back and she has one episode where she comes back. Um, And I think they never mentioned Bosnia or Dominic, but, but that like almost exists in its own universe. I don't pay it any mind. So essentially I have to assume Joe and, and Dr. Feelgood live together and travel the world. Yeah, I'm just going to pretend she met him in New York. Yeah, that's what I think happened. But they don't tell us. So stupid. Um, stupid. So, oh, we need to finish up but with Matt. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. that's it with Joe, but there's my, that, and I know... My favorite part of the episode, straight what? out of Saved by the Bell... <laughs> so Matt is out of the hospital and he goes straight from the hospital to the library where he's studying hard for whatever exam he has the next day well it's obviously going to be like child abuse because he's going to just take over the class that class of 20 how can yeah. he know one's name yeah. Yeah. yeah so anyway Matt is studying something and falling asleep 
And that's when this uh, other med student sort of catches his eye and comes over. And I think, oh, we're going to pair Matt off again. No, that's not what happens. That's what you think, but no. No, that's not what happens. He's a pusher. He's a pusher. And he basically, like, gives Matt math. Yeah. Yeah, he gives him speed. Yeah. (laughs) I can't. First of all... (laughs) I lost it here. First of all, it's a was a weird. If we never saw Matt again in this episode, it would have been fine. Like, and I like Matt, but like this was not anything. It was introduced too late. It's the finale of season four. Leave it for season five. Like, we don't need more Matt here. We could have had a scene with him talking to Joe about. Her going to Bosnia or something. Right. Or him with Michael talking about Kimberly. Something to tie him back to the rest of the cast instead of this Jesse Sano on caffeine pills. You know, I was expecting him to start singing. I'm so excited. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was so dumb. And it was so after school special or like it was going to be a, you know, dare commercial. It, it was really bad. Yeah, so after, like, he pops the pill, I assume, because we don't see it, we just see the the guy leaves it on his book, and Matt kind of, like, pushes it around with his finger. But then, like, the next day, we see him at the hospital, and he's, you know, standing at the desk, and he's yawning, and he asks the nurse to, like, go give morph- morphine to patient something, and the nurse is like, can't you see I'm busy here? Do it yourself. And so, which I don't know would ever happen, even with a, like, resident. Yeah, I'm pretty um, sure there's a lot of regulations around that, but what else? Yeah, and she basically like gives him the 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 key to the the medicine cabinet, and as he's like heading off there, he runs into his his pusher, and he's like, "Hey, I've got a hematology exam tomorrow. Can you hook me up? I I, I need to stay awake." And the guy's like, "Oh man, you got to find another connection, but you know that's easy to find around here, right?" Wink, wink. Yeah, very easy, because he's literally holding the key. <laughs> he's holding the key to the drug cabinet, and so he opens, so he gets the morphine, and he also steals a pill or two of whatever upper he is stealing. I mean, they make Matt so dumb. Yeah, like, <laughs> Joe, Joe is really dumb, but, like, Matt does make so many dumb choices. And yes. it wasn't always like this. I feel like once Katya and Natalie or whatever those <laughs> people were <laughs> went back to Russia, it was like all downhill from there. Actually, it was like in seriousness, it was like once he deta- once they detached him from Kimberly and that whole plot line, it was like he just makes so many dumb choices. Yeah, I mean, Matt's definitely the biggest outlier and the biggest problem to try and integrate. And it was great when he was, like, you know, either worrying about Michael killing Sydney or tracking down, you know, like, the truth about Kimberly or stuff like that. That was great, even when he was using his social work skills to, like, help Allison with rehab. But otherwise, he's had all these standalone storylines, and it's one thing if they're trying to do, like, Okay, Matt also gets a stab at a romantic relationship. But now it's just like we're giving him health hurdle after health hurdle. <laughs> and no one cares. No, nobody cares because Matt doesn't have any real friends. No, and the one friend he does have is <laughs> Andre Bosnia. 
<laughs> and where's Rhonda? He needs to find Rhonda. He well, she one. wasn't even. She wasn't even a, the funeral for Matt's dad. Bitch. You're right. Matt, she wasn't. Matt has like the friend of the week. Like they were like, well, Grant shows on set. He can go visit him in the hospital. <laughs> Right, he's got the friend of the week. Yeah, pretty pretty much. But um, I guess is that where we leave off with Matt, or is there like one final scene where he's just like staring at a pill? <laughs> he's been a lot of staring this season, right? Like there was that zoom in on him in the church at the wedding, and like there was a zoom in on him when he like. <laughs> got nicked by the needle and now he's like staring at a pill like I felt like I was always like close in on Doug Savant's eyes a lot this season yeah <laughs> this is true so that's so that's where we leave off with Matt Matt is now <laughs> apparently dancing as fast as he can yes <laughs> he's so excited he's so excited he's, he's so <laughs> well, I hope he passes his hematology exam after all yeah, this. Yeah, that'd be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't they count these friggin' pills? I mean, he's gonna get They're caught. They're supposed to. They're supposed to, yeah. He's gonna get caught. Um, and I think all that we are left with now is Jane and Sydney and Richard. I love Sid. I love Sid. I hate this story. This is, if you ask me the um, jump the shark moment for the show, it's this storyline. It's, it's especially today in this episode. But Sid was great in the whole thing. I mean, yes, she was. I mean, she, was she brought, she brought yeah. such comic relief to such a bullshit storyline. I mean, that's it. Like, it, it just cannot save the storyline. It was like, you know, once again, she was like the delight, you know, like, you know, Jane is all morose and, you know, trying to kind of be the, be the killer, you know, and Sid is sort of like, you know, handing her, like opening up the Bible and saying, hey, yeah. what do read this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sid is definitely trying to, to get. Jane stopped fixate on killing Richard and Jane's like yeah well it's an eye for an eye and I'm like but you want to kill Richard so it's not an eye for an eye on top of not being smart but whatever um yeah no Sid, Sid is good here yeah Sid is uh, great and she had they have like the dream sequence where she and Jane are in prison and Jane's eating lobster a little bit ahead of yourself but but yes, because that first there are there are a couple of of like redundant scenes again um, of Jane visiting Richard and and trying to push Jake away. Um, Jane is in Richard's office and she sees the book of checks and she takes some of the checks out of the back of the binder, um, and then she goes to the boutique. Oh my god! Um, this, is this episode, I thought that was yeah. Just so yeah. Crazy. So she go. She found out from that woman, Samantha, that uh, you know the couple that owns the boutique is going to sell it, and Jane is like, "I'm interested in buying." And the woman is like, "Well, another offer came in, and if you can top it, great. But I'm not going to tell you." So Jane takes Sam out for a coffee, um, 
and and she's like, and Samantha's like, oh, well, I think I am, I'm going to leave town. I'm breaking up with my boyfriend, so I have to move. And Jane's like, I want you to be my roommate. And she's like, uh, what? And Jane's like, and I also want you to tell me what the other offer is. And she's like, uh, what, what? But looks like she gives Jane, but she says yes to both. Um, and meanwhile, Sid pleads with Jake to help Jane, and he's like, she's on her own. Um, Was I the only one who thought... Richard was going to be the other offer that they were like building up to be like, oh, Richard already offered to no, buy I the thought, boutique. I did. I, I, did. I did think, think that the first time around. Yeah. I did, but they I thought, oh, here he's going to be to uh, be another obstacle. Yeah, I definitely thought. Yeah, that. because the way that that woman is acting, like, oh, you know, like that, it's not just well, we just have another offer. She was like, I can't tell you who it is, but. It, another offer and you'll never know. I was like, oh, it's definitely going to be, it's definitely going to be Richard. And that's how the wheels will get into motion. But I guess not. I guess it was just bad writing, bad acting. Yeah. Oh, by the way, speaking of bad acting, there's a scene early <laughs> on um, Richard is on the phone and Patrick Muldoon can't even hold the phone. <laughs> that's how bad he is. Yeah. He's, he's pretty terrible. He's, he's terrible. Um, so Jane makes the offer, um, and the other woman is like, yeah, I don't know how you did it, but you just barely outbid the other offer. And then Jane's like, oh, and I can pay in cash. So it's like. I mean, that's hilarious. She, like, takes a wad of cash out of her purse. It's just this big, giant wad, because that's always what I carry around in my purse, $200,000 in small bills. Wouldn't you have been, like. Something is up with this woman. I guess you don't care if someone's offering you cash, but I guess. I mean, I guess. I guess I'm surprised she's that like, that eh, I guess wasn't rich. like, yeah, yeah, no, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> Look, she got her money. It's not her plate. It's not her uh, store anymore. So I guess it doesn't matter. Um, and um, so then Sid is like back at Jane's apartment, questioning all of Jane's recent decisions. She can't believe Jane is going to have a roommate now. And she's again trying to talk her out of this murder plan when Richard himself comes by and Sid's like all freaked out and and is trying to like hint at Richard that like just Go on vacation. don't do anything with Jane. And, yeah. yeah. Um, and, but after and he doesn't pick up on it after he leaves. Jane yells at Sid um, like don't don't led on to anything, of course. Um, and we're back at the office once more, and Richard asks Jane about the checks. Um, and she lies, and she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I wouldn't have access to them. And uh, he's like, well, you, I keep them in my office, and you were there, but she flirts with him, which is when Jake shows up one last time. Um, and she again pushes Jake away to say she is only focused on Richard. Um, so, so the wheels really are in motion. She's got a plan for later that night, and Sid is going to drive the getaway car, and Jane is going to kill Richard, and that's that. So then we get to my favorite scene that I've thought of often over the years, and I know it's one you like, Karen, because you just started talking about it. This is Sid's nightmare. Yeah. (laughs) It was such, like, this weird, 
I don't know. It was like the, it was like an avant-garde play. Well, you know what? It's filmed like like one of the nightmares in Nightmare on Elm Street almost. Yeah. Like the camera is gauzy and everything is exaggerated at odd angles, and they distorted the voice that comes out. You're like, yes, it's awesome. But then Jane Dean, you know what it reminded me of? Do you remember a couple of months ago? I was t- and I can't remember the name of it, but it was a Spanish film that I was telling you we watched on Netflix. Um, it, we talked about it on a on a on a Hollywood, oh, Hollywood Boulevard, Boulevard where the, there were these people in a prison and they had to like and they, it was like a, I guess it was like a giant tower the prison and so it would start with a full plate of food at the top and as it went down the people in on each floor would eat and so the further down it went the less food you had and like. And so the people at the bottom were basically starving while the people at the top would eat the most. And so people would, like, eat the food. The the prisoners would eat the food on the table like Jane was with the lobster. Yeah, just, like, clawing at it. Clawing at it. And it's all over her face. And it's like, ew. And, yeah, it was, was like, that was... Yeah, it's very... The whole sequence is very grotesque. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it did have this sort of, like, weird avant-garde element to it um, that I thought was, like, what the hell is going on here? It was, like, Wooster Group or something decided that they were going to, like, you know, do this scene (laughs) in Melrose Place. Yeah, and my favorite part is uh, Jane and Sid are being... This is their last supper, and they're being walked over um, to the electric chair, and or I guess the gas chamber, because Jane then shouts in slow motion, shut up, Sid, and take your gas like a man! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the best work that Josie Bissett has ever done. <laughs> Yeah, that dream was ridiculous. It was so friggin' over the top. It was great. Um, and so I guess then we're at Shooters, right? Yeah. When oh yeah, when they go have dinner because I what was it the scene before when like Sid is trying to like talk Jane out of it for like you know out of killing Richard for like the hundredth time and Jane's like oh, shut up yeah. Sid I'll pick you up at six we'll have dinner before then we'll go kill him. Yeah, yeah. So they're having dinner at Shooters, and Jane's got this ginormous piece, like plate of fries, which now I want. Which looks um, really good, yeah. yeah. It looked really good, and she's like shoveling them in her mouth at, while <laughs> while Sid's just sitting there, like horrified <laughs> because they're about to go kill Richard. <laughs> and then, so to put the plan in motion, Jane goes to the payphone. Um, and calls Richard to make sure that he's home at eight, I guess. Um, and and while she's on the phone, you know, Sid continues to be nervous and trying to get out of it and sees, you know, the gun in the bag. Um, and Jane comes back and that's that. So so they drive to Richard's house. Um, and Jane is like in the, the garage right in front of the door when Richard comes home early. Um, and Jane confronts him and he's like, what's going on? Um, finally, he, he, he realizes what's going on and, and admits that he raped her. Um, but then he also lunges for her. So she shoots him or she tries to shoot him, but there are no bullets in the gun. She tries multiple times, which means Jane really would have killed him 
but the bullets are gone. Sid had removed them when they were at Shooters. That's uh, a stupid thing to so do. So now Richard tries to rape Jane again right there in the open garage. Um, and as he's assaulting her, Sid hits him on the head with a shovel. <laughs> it was really funny because when Jane was coming, like, sort of creeping up on him, like, it, or up his driveway... And you, you could see, like, shadows of all of these rakes and shovels and all yeah, this gardening yeah. equipment. She like, and picked, I, she, like, specifically picked up one shovel and moved it to the side. Yeah. yeah. I was like, ooh, what's the foreshadowing here with all yeah. the gardening <laughs> equipment? Hmm. Yeah. Um, that was pretty funny. So, like, basically, like, Sid was completely freaked out about having to, like, be a party to this murder of Richard. And she actually ended up being the one that killed him. Yeah, because now it looks like Richard is dead after all. Oopsie. So, so they. Well, why would you take? Why would you take the bullets out of the gun and not tell Jane? I mean, so she could wave it around at him and already get him angry. Right. I mean, yeah, it's worse knowing that Jane now is defenseless in front of a man who has raped her and is face to face with him. Like, yeah. Also, as somebody who handles guns, like, you don't leave a loaded gun in your purse and not, and then not, like, double check it. Like, she should have loaded the gun in the car. Like, that was just, that was just, like, you know, okay, that was just extra stupid. Like, if I was about to commit murder, I'd load the gun in the car. I would at least look at it, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, so now it looks like Richard's dead. What are they gonna do? Well, they wrap him up in, like, a tarp. Um, and they go to this wooded area, God knows where, and now is the point where Jane, who was so zealous in her quest to kill Richard, starts to freeze. Now she's, like, freaking out. Um, yeah, but Sid's the one that sort of now is taking c- control of everything. And, yeah, you know, I mean, where, yeah, like, where she was sort of like, like, I'll tell you what, I want Sid on my team in a crisis. Yeah, I mean, I'll say Sid was nothing but great to Jane and she's nothing but great in, you know, the wake of uh, this crisis for sure. You know, because she was, you know, she was just very take charge. She was handling it and she was like, okay, we've got to, you know, we've got to bury the body while Jane is like freaking out. So can you imagine what Jane would have done if she had actually shot him? Yeah. She would have just herself in. Yeah. 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 Um, and, like, Jane actually was kind of an asshole to Sid, because at one point they're, like, moving, you know, trying to, like, move the body, and, like, they stop, and Jane looks at Sid, and she's like, you murdered him. And yeah. Sid's like, correction, we, we murdered him. Yeah. Which was right, because Sid didn't want to do it in the first place, but she was kind of forced to. And was, only, had... and was only doing it in defense of Jane. Yeah, yeah. So, once again, Sid shafted by the older sister. I feel for that girl. <laughs> Well, we're going to feel for both of them in a moment because they finally bury Richard. Um, and here we get to the end of the episode. They, they're they about to drive away. And this is actually something I've always thought was very kind of sweet and tender. Despite all of the water under the bridge between Sid and Jane and the traumatic thing they've now just experienced together, Sid looks at Jane and she goes, your nightmare is over. And they drive away. Oh, but is it? But that's not all, because then the camera zooms back in on the 
patch of ground where they have buried Richard, dead Richard. And it looks like maybe Richard's not so dead because a hand comes up from the ground, cheapo horror movie style. Yeah. So whoever whoever was in charge of these last few episodes... Yeah, whoever was in charge of these last few episodes clearly had, like, a B-movie fetish. Seems to be, right? Because there's a lot of that sort of, like, B-movie horror shit going on in these episodes. Um, Yeah, but the only difference is, I would argue that that nightmare sequence is kind of awesome, and this hand coming up from the makeshift grave sucks. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, generally... You know, and it's important to remember that Melrose kind of broke ground in terms of critics really turning around and praising soaps because of the way all the storylines worked. I mean, like, season three was so good, even, like, Time ranked it one of the best series of the year. And now we're one season later, and everyone turned around and laughed at the show again and was like, don't bother with this show. It is schlock. And that's basically, I mean... It is deserved, but, you know, that's basically earned by by what happened in the tail end of the season, and especially by that stupid-ass hand coming up from the grave. Well, it was written like, especially this episode, but season four in general is written like by intro to creative writing students. Like, yeah. they're like, you know, it would be great if, like, we see that Richard's not dead and the hand comes up. Or, like, oh, you know, it would be great if, like, Joe runs to the airport and they have like a goodbye scene in the airport or that Matt takes pills or, you know, Kimberly can't remember things and Peter's not really, it's like such. Like if they took it all from a book of cliches. Yeah. So many cliches, but it's the type of cliches that when you're like 17 and 18 and you're writing and you're like, Oh, this is really going to be a great twist. And it's like, this is really cliche. Like none of these, like these storylines are outlandish and ridiculous and then they're like saddled with cliched endings that I think sort of transcend soapiness and campiness but to just being plain bad yeah (laughs) I still enjoy watching the show every week but like yeah yeah that's the thing I don't come for this show to like tear it down um, you know, I point out the stuff I enjoy. We just happen to be in a real low ebb for the show. Yeah, if I honestly, if I didn't do this podcast, I'd stop watching. Um, yeah. And I think I think that I did. I, I, I'm pretty sure that this was the season because there are just moments of this season where I'm like, what the what? I don't remember that. Yeah, I would not have blamed you. But I picked it up again at some point later because I remember like Lisa Renna and a few of the other actors that are coming, uh, that are coming in soon. So I definitely picked it up later, but yeah, they lost me at this, at this season and, and they almost lost me again. Yeah. Well, starting next uh, week, we're going to, with season five, we do have some new blood, including Lisa Rinnett. So there's there's stuff to look forward to. And yeah, you, I really think that they turned the storytelling around and aimed for a very different tone, which is still like primetime soap, as I've said a couple times, but really tries to just avoid the camp factor. Um, so, so we'll see. I don't think they're all winners every storyline. 
I don't think it, there's ever going to be a return to their heyday, but um, but it's I think a, li a little bit easier to watch. Okay. Having said that, were there I any highlights? Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say I just feel like you know the camp factor was gone this season. Yeah. Like there was no camp factor this season. Well, they they surpassed it, right? Like in, instead of being like for instead of being silly, they got stupid. Like they they started taking themselves seriously without being a serious show. Right. And so what we have like you're believing in what you're writing, but you're not giving us any reason to believe any of this. Right. So so they they like overshot in a completely wrong direction. Right, right, right. Um, but do you have any highlights of the season? Like, is there any storyline you did like? Again, keeping in mind, way more has happened than you can probably remember. Yeah. Um, was there a storyline I liked? Not really, to be honest with you. Not, not that I can't. Like, the storylines I liked dragged on too long. Yeah. Like, like the Brooks stuff I liked and um like this season they either drag storylines out too long like the Bobby Parisi stuff or they slapped them together and ended it like the Denise Richards storyline or Jane's assistant that slept with Jake but I did like the pre-rate stuff with Richard, Joe, Jane of like them, you know, Jane and Richard being rivals and then Jane setting, uh, starting the sprinkler system at the fashion <laughs> show and I did like that storyline. I'm trying to think of like what else happened. See, yeah, I feel like I liked moments. You know, like I liked scenes. I liked moments. You know, I liked moments with Sid. I liked... You know, there, but but as a whole, like I can't say that there was a storyline where I was like, yeah, I can't wait to see where this is going. I can't wait. I can't wait to tune in next time to see what they do with the storyline. Like I just felt like, oh my god, these storylines are awful. So while we had like little nuggets of fun yeah. sprinkled with like various scenes, I do not feel like there was a worthwhile storyline in the whole episode in the yeah. in the whole season. No, because like. Like, going back to what I said, it's like, everything that I did enjoy, they sort of beat over the head, you know, beat us over the head with and, like, mm -hmm. really killed it. Like, like the Brooke storyline or, or they didn't develop anything and everything just resolved itself. Well, was, was this season, was this past season, this was Sid was uh, seeing Kimberly as her therapist? Yep. Yes. All right, that was she, fun. Because yeah. she drugged, remember she like drugged Jane and that's why she had the stroke? Yeah, that was, I still can't believe that was this season. <laughs> um, Jesus. So, okay, so she did, so that that I like, that moment, the, the, the Sid and Kimberly stuff I thought was pretty awesome. But again, that was really short-lived. It was, and... And and was it last week's episode when oh yeah because when Jane, Jane finds is, out Jane finds out and even that is like oh okay well I'm gonna use it to get you to be my accomplice and nothing really comes of that but I've said this on your podcast before it's like they stopped really knowing what to do with Sydney this season yeah um. 
you know, out of nowhere, they had her pining for Bobby Parisi. She basically sat at that reception desk <laughs> in Michael and Peter's office the entire season, right? Like, she yeah. never did. She yeah, never, moved she never drove a storyline. Yeah. She never drove a storyline. Even the, it would have been sort of fun to see her, like, producing porn. And yep. it was a throwaway punchline. It, which could have been actually a really, really great thing. Like, imagine yeah. said, like porn queen of L.A. Yeah, that would have been right. really fun. And she would have had a lot of fun doing it. And they totally botched it. Yeah. It's, it's like... It's and crazy it to think. she. I mean, like, she was clearly their MVP coming in from the last two seasons. And they just shoved her to the side. Yeah. I will and say... Then, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, even even the stuff with Kimberly and, and yeah. Sid, it was like, you know, they could have, they really could have milked that and drawn that out more. And they could have, you know, again, been sort of uneasy accomplices, what with Michael or, you know, whatever. And, and I thought that dynamic was super fun. But then they just, that even just kind of fizzled out. And you, I thought she was getting a new storyline with the, the new friend, the friend who had the kid who may or yeah. may not have been abusive. And nothing came out of that for Sydney. Like, we saw them have lunch at Shooters, and then... I mean, that storyline fizzled, too. All of a sudden, we didn't care anymore, and it just became a catalyst for Joe to have a new boyfriend. But Yeah, you know, that whole thing is so dumb, because it's all supposed to link Joe and Dr. Feelgood, and all you really needed was for, say... Matt to fuck up and inject yeah. himself with meningitis in the first place. Joe visits him in the hospital and sees Dr. Feelgood's bad bedside manner and things pick up from there. Like you didn't need all of that other stuff happening. Right. No, well, he is the expert in child abuse. I'm not sure yeah. what he's an expert in exactly. But yeah, that storyline was terrible. There's a lot of there was a lot of like false starts in this story in this season, I thought. Like, was this also the season where Jake <laughs> With his loan shark, like <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah, biggest. It was. That's the biggest uh, baton that got dropped because whatever they thought they were going to build to for there, they completely ignored it and moved on. And what happened to the guy Matt sleeps with after Alan or David? like David? Oh, yeah, the one who just, yeah, who Matt could have potentially had a real relationship with. We never see him again either. But yet we had so much Alicia Barnett. I know and so much. Bobby Parisi. It's yeah. a storyline that made no sense to me, and I still don't quite understand what it has to do with cable TV. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so much. And I know it's because, like, their bread and butter was Heather Locklear and um, Jack Wagner, but it was frustrating because there were, like I said, so many other, like, false starts with storylines. Like, I brought this up before, but, like, Jake sleeping with Jane's assistant, who we never see again. Like, I guess that girl worked a day and got fired or quit because they dropped that for the race storyline. So it's almost like they're, like, filming first drafts as opposed to, like, completed scripts. Yeah. Yeah. It was like they didn't, they, they weren't looking past the week that they were working on. Yeah. And then they just threw away the Bible from the week before, and it was like they completely forgot what they did the week before. 
Yeah, right. I think that I think they are without religion. I think there is no Bible in this writer's room all along. Was Shelly uh, also this season when Shelly? Yeah, Shelly. That storyline bears no fruit other than to divide Jake and Joe, which could have happened anyway. Uh, yeah, that story is useless. Um, I the biggest letdown for me was the Brooke, Billy, Allison, Haley stuff because that could have been worked out in a way if they like kept it going longer that got really interesting that made that was alternately frustrating for each of the characters but was rife with dramatic potential um i mean to this day i still don't know what happened with Haley's death was he trying to hurt allison or help her Mm -hmm. why did he commit suicide at that point like none of it none of it really makes sense and as we've as as we've said you know the brook stuff was really fun in the beginning and then by the time she marries billy and the new season begins like she's not a match for amanda she's a bad antagonist but it's like Haley's death is, is an example that like they use these major things not as like should be storylines as jumping off points to like move from point A to point B as opposed to like actually developing them like Haley's mm-hmm. death or um I don't know like Jake sleeping with Jane's this, this quote unquote assistant yeah. or like um I was thinking of another one that I lost but they do they like Bobby don't... falling out a window <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean even Kimberly's um, per- split personalities. Oh, yeah. when she's a DJ. But even her split personalities feels like sort of half-assed. Because, yeah. like, I could believe that she she would try to institutionalize Peter as Kimberly because she's so fucked up. Like, I don't need Bessie and Rita going to Tupperware parties and... Um, hitting Michael over the head with a mallet. Like, I don't need these. Like, that storyline is half-assed, and now she's not going to have her memory, so it's like, is it, is the split personality thing ever going to come back? Well, I'll let you keep watching to find out. Stay tuned. (laughs) No! I will say that, um, I was going to say, were there any guest stars that we liked other than Dr. Joyce Brothers? Like, um, what's her name? Lonnie Anderson, No Real Payoff, Denise Richards. Well, it wasn't really a name at the time, but No Real Payoff. Priscilla Presley, No Real Payoff. I, I mean, I enjoy like, Numar. Oh. I mean, I, you oh, know, like, yeah, yeah. I what enjoyed about? seeing the, the cameos for sure, you know, but again, it was sort of like, uh. What about Jerry Lynn Ryan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> The beard. Yeah. Well, she was a lesbian too, so yeah. they were bearding. He was her beard like, too. I feel like there is someone I like, but I just can't think of who. I guess Haley's like death didn't matter because Brooke died, and that also became a catalyst for Billy being an asshole. Like. I don't know. There's Okay, well here's another question. Which storyline is worse? Brooks quote unquote possession of Billy or uh the Jane killing Richard Richard not being dead thing? 
Oh, Brooke possessing Billy, yeah. hands down. I don't know, because, I mean, I don't know what the end game is with Jane and Richard and, and Sydney, but I think you're right that it does feel like a jumping the shark moment and that, like, it's now a different show. Like, we've had things like the Keith storyline and, like, we've had, like, violence and, like, dark things. But, like, this is, like, one character, like, that we've grown to, I suppose, like, killing a character who's been around a while, like, or trying to kill him. It feels, it just feels like a different show. Yeah, I I agree. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there are other highlights for me. And I, I like, I just have to go back to the the very first moment of the season when they actually have the four bombs go off. That I was still, only I, this season. That was still this year. Actually, my favorite moment of this season was uh, Allison pretending she was blind. I love that too. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually about to say that next. Well, I think when when Melrose Place gets bombed, I just think that whole sequence is thrilling. And to have all of your characters on the canvas like that together, um, all all in various permutations, I think that was amazing. It it almost had to go downhill from there. It just didn't have to go downhill so far so fast. But yeah, I thought the Allison being blind was really fun. Was that was this season also when they like? Hi, when Michael hires the guy to pretend uh-huh. he's like uh-huh. the guy to be to be Henry or whatever the yeah the guy in Kimberly's mind yeah so yeah thirty three well sort of action packed episodes right I take it back I don't think Matt has the worst storylines I think Kimberly has the worst storylines <laughs> that's a hot take I'll say this. Um, well, as season five develops, I want to hear more of what you think about what happens with Kimberly, because I do think she becomes a, a even more different character than the ones from like two and three and four. Really? So, yeah. That should be interesting. Because, again, like, I don't know how you redeem her after this. <laughs> like, yeah. they went, like, the, like the, ep- the show went so far to try and redeem her you know for for blowing up Melrose place that they turned around and made her a villain again yeah it's like the writers were like but we don't really like nice Kimberly we have to have her be a villain or yeah uh, it was like crazy Kimberly is what we do yeah yeah so I'm kind of curious like where they because obviously she ain't dead so I'm kind of curious where they're going to take her well, it won't take long before we see. Um, Good Lord, just, more Richard. Just a reminder that one yeah. of the new characters is Samantha, who we've now met as part of the Jane storyline. Right. And I think she's the worst character on the show. I hate her. Of all time? I mean, of the long-term characters, yes. Of anyone who's been in the opening credits, yes. Oh, I was like, worse than Richard? No, but, like, Richard only got horrible at the very end. No, no, no. No, nope. Patrick Muldoon was terrible throughout. Patrick Muldoon, but, Rich, no, Rich, Richard, <laughs> Richard is, 
absolutely. I don't know. There's a lot of bit. Like Jess was terrible. Yes. Yeah. Reed. I don't know. Reed was. Yeah. Anyone who slept with Joe. Yeah. <laughs> anyone who slept with Joe. Pretty much. Except Jake. Except for the main. Jake. Yeah. I mean, Bobby yeah, I like Richard, was Richard, Reed, Jess, they're all terrible. Yeah. Yeah, the whole Parisi storyline, bringing Antonio Sabato Jr. in and then having Bobby Parisi come in. Yeah, it was all, it was, it was not great. Yeah, that was, that was really hideous. And giving Amanda this ridiculous backstory. Yeah. It came out of nowhere. Backstory, yeah. Yeah. Alicia Barnett was pretty terrible in the end, too. Yeah, because they just kept, they just kept reusing her. They just kept kept changing uh, what she was doing. Yeah, I mean, that woman practiced so many different types of I know. <laughs> I know. If she had stuck around, like, I'm sure, like, she would have been a real estate lawyer for shooters or Melrose. Yeah. And then, or, how, or, how or, like, the newest, or, like, counsel at D&D. Did anybody do a double take when Peter, like, walked into, like, the room where his lawyer was and you were like, oh, it's not Alicia? Because then he, like, kept using <laughs> Alicia as his lawyer. Yeah. And you're like, oh, thank God. Maybe he'll actually get some real representation now. I'm surprised she wasn't uh, Haley's lawyer. Yeah, really. <laughs> Every uh, week I'd be like, why did she get a special guest? Was Anne Marie Johnson somebody? And Doug would be like, nope, nope, nobody. They really thought, I don't know, they really thought they had something with that character and that storyline. Yeah. Which and they, they could have. I think they could have used a lawyer on Melrose Place, you know, yeah. but they, they, they squandered that opportunity. Alas, here we Alas. are. Yes. I think Alas. our time on the block is up for the week. Oh, yes. Until next time where we start season five. It's a new beginning, a new chapter. I hope so. With Rob Estes and, and Lisa Rinna to look forward to. Um, and we find out the fate of, of various uh, of our residents. Excellent. So, Alyssa, so you thank guys, you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks, special guest star, Alyssa Marr. Thank you. I'm the Alicia Barnett of this episode. Oh, I, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> the Anne-Marie Johnson. And so, then, that's yeah. it. So we'll be back next week, and we'll have a new Hollywood Boulevard next week as well. So double the pleasure. Um, but we hope you guys are staying well and enjoying whatever you can make of this crazy summer. Yeah. All right, guys, until next time. We'll see you back on the blog. Bye. Bye. Bye.